Hey, this is In My Humble Opinion with Chaz Douglas. I got a very special guest. I got Dr. Joy Creel on today. Thanks, Joy, for your time. Oh, man, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I want to acknowledge you with this because uh, you probably don't know this, but like the, the podcast and then just like the the some of the entrepreneurial and you know some of the the things that I've been doing it, you really contributed a lot to that um I, I think it was like 2017 or 2018 when you you invited me to be a vendor at I think it was daughter status one of the conferences that you had and mm-hmm. that really kind of like started this whole thing because with with me doing that you know selling the books there networking and, and then it just kind of let me see like the need for people wanting to write and, and, you know, kind of being their coach and helping them that through that process. So, you know, you know how, you know, it goes like once you start doing one thing, then you network and you meet this person and then you meet this person and then you see like, okay, I can really do some, some other things. So I really, I'm really uh, appreciative that you kind of, you know, gave me that space to do that. And then it just opened up other doors to be able to, you know, um, become an entrepreneur and, and, and to have kind of like that business mindset. So I really appreciate you opening a door for me with that. Oh, wow. Well, thank you. Uh, hit me with that. I was definitely not aware of the effect. And it's interesting because sometimes, you know, down the road, um, I have had individuals that will come and say, things similar. And I'm like, wow, I'm because, you know, honestly, I'm just doing what, what I do. Like I'm just being who God created me to be, you know what I'm saying? So to hear you say that I'm, I'm very appreciative of that. So thank you so much for that. Um, and I'm just glad I could be a part of it. Oh yeah. No, I, I was, I was thinking that when, when I was like, um, you know, when I asked you to come on, I was like, she mm-hmm. probably doesn't even know, like this, even like this podcast kind of, you kind of, contributed to that because it you know it it flows into you know your business you know my business and website so like when we talk about the daughter status like where did that because that was you know I did like a a couple years you know when you did the conference the the Mm -hmm. brunch or the conference with that where did that start like how did you birth how did that become uh, a thing when you when you started uh, daughter status so the Daughter Status Foundation kind of came twofold. One, I knew I, w- I was supposed to be doing something other than what I was doing. And two, um, like just the need to help individuals. So right after um, becoming a therapist um, and getting my license, um, I was, you know, I just thought I was going, you know, go find me a job and work in the field and all the things or whatever. And I was on an interview at this at a place that uh took um like Medicaid, right? Like it was a community mental health center. Mm-hmm. And no shade against community health centers. They have a job to do and they do an amazing job with very little resources. Mm-hmm. Um but when I did my interview, the woman who was interviewing, she asked me how long my sessions normally were and I told her 45 to 55 minutes and she was like, "Well, we build Medicaid, so you'll have to do it in 15 minutes." What? Wow. Right. <laughs> exactly. She was like, you got to do your sessions in about 15 minutes. And I was like, 15 minutes. Now, most people would be like, oh, well, you know, 15 minutes because you build in 15 minutes, you get paid for a session. But I'm thinking like my question to her was, I was like, how do people and this is literally my question. How mm-hmm. do people get healed in 15 minutes? Because yeah. in my mind, the whole situation was like, you know, the whole idea of being a therapist was to help people get healing in their mind. Yeah. And she was like, She's like, well, I'm going to just tell you the truth. We put a lot of Band-Aids on here. Oh, okay. Okay. And when she said it, like, I was, first of all, I was appalled. And I'm like, A, I don't want to work here. But B, I'm like, how can we have the responsibility to individuals? And because they cannot afford it, like, we just resolve to putting Band-Aids on. Mm -hmm. And so um, the Daughter Status Foundation was birthed from this idea that I want to be a part of the solution. Like I might not mm-hmm. be able to help every single person. I may yeah. not be able to whatever, but like, I know I can help some folks, you know, get some healing in their mind mm-hmm. and it don't have to just be a temporary band aid because I'm, 
I'm I'm charging your insurance because I'm charging mm-hmm. um, Medicaid. And so um, so the scripture that it comes from, there's a Luke Ada account and there's also an account in Matthew. It's the it's a scripture that's familiar to a lot of Bible readers. Right. About the woman with the issue of blood yeah. who went to Jesus. You know, she was you know, she was sick and she had spent all her money for 12 years on a doctor to get um, well. And then she gets to Jesus. And when she gets to Jesus, well, when she had heard Jesus was in town and she pushed through this crowd to get to Jesus and her faith and her hope was like, I, I didn't that all I can do. And they say this man could probably heal me. Like, let me just touch him. If I touch mm-hmm. him, I'm going to get healed. Right. Yeah. And when he touched, when she touched him, he looked at her. He was like, well, first of all, he was like, somebody touched me. And his mm-hmm. homeboy was like, now Jesus, all these <laughs> yeah, people out yeah. here. <laughs> Everybody touching us, like like somebody just touched me too. And he was like, no. He said the virtue went from me. So he knew that the touch was different, and he could feel her faith, and he could feel mm-hmm. her hope, right? But the key for me in that was he didn't he didn't shun her. Like he could have shunned her. He could have had her killed. He could have mm-hmm. had her beheaded. Like we're talking about the context, right? He could all those things he could have done, but he didn't do. He looked at her and he said he called her daughter. Oh, okay. And when he called her, man, you hear me? Yeah. <laughs> that 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 changes. Like this woman who had no money, who is working on her last piece of faith and hope to just get to the place that she needed to get to, to get the healing that she needed because she knew that this person, they say this person could heal me. And he looked at her, he called her daughter. And to me, that says it all, Chaz. Like that says, that says like, I'm going to give you a place. I'm going to give you an inheritance. I'm going to make you family. Mm. Now that's good. That's good. <laughs> and so um, he gave her daughter status. And so I think daughter status is available to anybody. It's, I mean, you know, obviously she was a woman or whatever the case yeah, is, but yeah. that status of being in the sonship of God and being um, heirs of the throne and being heirs of healing and heirs of deliverance, um, it doesn't stop in gender. If she just happens to be a woman, but yeah. he called her daughter, right? Yeah. And when he called her daughter, she was able to, I mean, first of all, your faith has made you whole. So mm-hmm. now she got healed. She got an inheritance and now she on her way. Yeah. And so, you know, that kind of thing is the space that I want to be able to help people in with the daughter status foundation. Like I want, like, it don't matter that you're a woman. It don't matter that you spent all your money and you don't have no money to get healed. It don't matter. Like I want to be able to to help people in that way. So that was how, the daughter status foundation, you know, really got his name. Yeah. And, and, and like you say, you know, she's a woman, but with, with, uh, with Jesus, we're all his children, you know, not all of us, but you know, we're believers, we're children of God. So, um, mm-hmm. it, you know, no matter how old you are. So that, mm-hmm. that was, that was good. Like, wh- why do you think that, I, I guess is more, is more to it than like, you know, when they talk about 15 minutes, why do you think, like it's so little time, you know, even though I know they don't, the, the Medicaid, like the insurance is not, you know, that great, but why do you think it's that limited time though? Uh, so a couple of reasons, right. And again, I say community mental health spaces, they're using the resources that they have. And, um, I'm very grateful that they're able to do something right. Um, however, like, you know, if Medicaid is only going to pay for this amount, like I can't give you no extra because this is barely enough to keep us running. Right. Like, mm-hmm. and so unfortunately there's, it, it just really stems back to this disparity of the people who need Medicaid mm-hmm. versus big pharma and, you know, you know, the medical industry and stuff like that. Like, cause if I need Medicaid, like I likely am going to need some mental health, yeah. <laughs> you know, support. Yeah, right. True. Um, I mean, and, and don't get me wrong, definitely a million and one people who don't quote unquote need Medicaid, need mental health support as well. Mm-hmm. However, um, I'm very likely to need mental health support and not have the resources to get the mental health support that I need um, to the degree that I need it, the quality that I need. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, honestly, you know, now now when I first when it first happened, like I was a vigilante. 
I'm like, mm-hmm. like <laughs> they should be a, like seriously. I was yeah. like, they should be ashamed of themselves. Yeah. And so now, like as I've learned more, like I get it. Like they're working within the means that they yeah. have, and I'm just praying that God continues to give me the means to help individuals you know, within the means that I have, because, you know, yeah. somebody could be looking at me like you should do more, you should charge yeah. less or da, 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 you mm-hmm. know, whatever. Um, however, I do find myself in a space where like I do have a bit more empathy now. Like I get it. They did. They're doing the best that they can. So, I mean, when she said it, I'm sure it was like we don't have a lot of time and we got a lot of patients who yeah. need some help. So we got to give them what we can give them because it's the best that we can do. And so when I look at it like that, I'm very glad they're doing what they can do. I just want so much more done. Yeah. And, and, and you know, what you said as far as like, you know, the, the daughter, the daughter status being birthed through, you know, the, the woman with the, the issue of blood. How did mm-hmm. you, you know, you brought, I mean, you brought that down pretty well. How did you know and when did you know that preaching was part of your purpose? So I actually knew when I was 15. That's young. That's young. (laughs) Right, right. I knew when I was 15, uh, but I grew up in a very traditional Baptist church. Um, And my dad was a a Baptist minister. And um, I remember telling him when I was 15, and he was livid. Really? he, because he was like, because I mean, and he was doing what he knew to do, right? Like, mm-hmm. ain't no woman called to preach. Da da da. Is that the third, right? And so when he said it, I just kind of was like, okay, you're right, and I just backed off because mm-hmm. I knew what I had been taught. So I was scared to tell him, but I knew what I had saw. I knew mm-hmm. the dream that I had. I knew, like, I just knew that I was feeling God, all the things. And so I was just like, okay, well, okay. I'm just playing <laughs> is what I said to him. Yeah. Cause yeah. I mean, cause I just panicked yeah. and he was just like, uh, playing. And then, so he went off about that. Like you don't yeah. play with God. So, um, you know, that, that kind of shaped how the next 12 years of my life would be because like, I knew that I was called to preach. I had to, I had to, and I couldn't even understand why God would call me and knew that I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Like, that just really was like, Lord, how do I, you know, walk this thing out? Like, and of course I didn't even know how to ask those questions then. So I just turned to what I was being taught in the church and Mm -hmm. that was women didn't preach and this, this, and this. And so every time after that, that I came across a woman who preached again, I was a vigilante. I became Paul. I'm like, she shouldn't be preaching. (laughs) (laughs) So it would be like, I remember in college class, like we were in a Bible study and it was me and another young lady who we had went to sister churches back home and we wound up at the same university mm-hmm. and we were in a Bible study and it was a woman preacher who had come to do the Bible study that night. When I tell you, I got a blog, we grabbed backpacks, we walked out. Like, mm, was, really? Oh yeah. Y'all like, was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> disturbed. Like, it was, I am so embarrassed and so ashamed. <laughs> But, you know, we did it and that she probably doesn't even remember it or realize what, you know, what we what was happening or whatever. Um, but, you know, walked out all the things. And after that, God began to press me again. So by this time, I'm probably call it 18 or 19. God began to press me again. But by that time, like I had fully like leaned into what I was being taught and what mm-hmm. I knew. Like and I understood why my dad I didn't. I couldn't articulate it then, but I understood why he couldn't, you know, even begin to consider a woman who preached, you know, based on the situation he was in and based on what he taught and believed. Mm-hmm. And um, so probably so that so that went on for about a, another couple years or whatever. And as it went on, um, like I just knew God was calling me to more. Mm-hmm. And so I figured so I moved away in 20 call it 2009 Mm -hmm. I moved to Mississippi now I moved to Mississippi no yeah that was in 2009 I moved to Mississippi because I had a job well I used the auspice of you know gonna be I'm gonna go down there and get a job and da 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 and work my um work my degrees because I had just graduated from college and stuff like that. Work my mm. degrees, get out of here. And then I'm going to go to law school, which is Lo- Loyola or Tulane. They were our 
hour and a half away from where I was living. So like I, I had made up this story, but part of the reason too was I knew where I was. I couldn't do what God called me to do mm-hmm. because the church that I joined by that time I was in, I went to school and I went to college in Saginaw. Oh, okay. By the time I was in Saginaw, like the church that I had joined in Saginaw also didn't believe in women who preached. Oh, okay. And I love those people. Like that church was, that was the first church I chose to go to. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That was the first, like my choice of being in, in some level of, you know, God fearing community. So I love those people. Like, I mean, just a beautiful church home. They, they look, but they did not believe in women who preached. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I moved away just kind of knowing like, I'm not going to be able to do what God has called me to do here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so preached a little away, not, you know, trial, for a little, little, you know, here, there, everywhere type situation for a couple of years. I was gone until I came back to, um, came back to Saginaw to do it where God told me to do it. So by that time I was 27. Okay. So, so who, been, who ordained, who, like who, what church or pastor ordained you to, they accepted women preachers and ordained you. So when I moved back to Saginaw. Oh, okay. I moved back and I went to Mount Olive. Okay. Uh, which is where we met, actually, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I uh, went to Mount Olive. And, of course, Pastor Smith was definitely um, definitely licensing ministers and things of that nature. And so he and I had a conversation. Um, in fact, he came to me. Um, and he didn't come to me about preaching, but he knew that I wasn't where I should have been. And he, and his question to me was, "How long are you gonna keep running?" Wow, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, and that's what, and and that is one of the spaces like I truly have to honor him for, you know, allowing me to be licensed in, um, in the church. So I honor that space. So, um, so, so, what are you? What were you doing at the time for him to even know that you were? Like were you because you were pretty active at the at Mount Olive, right? It, it's, right. So, so I've been active everywhere I've been, right? Okay. So, so what we so when I came back to Saginaw, I actually was not even hadn't even planned to move back or anything. Initially, I came back. I was there visiting. Mm-hmm. Um, it was over Thanksgiving and Christmas. I had taken a month month off. I was gonna come home and whatever, whatever. And so when I came home, I went to, I was drawn to Mount Olive. So I went to Mount Olive. Mm-hmm. Um, Floyd was there, of course. And that mm-hmm. was, you know, definitely like a mother to me. And so yeah. all of that. So I was drawn to the place. I was drawn to the people. Um, so that was where I was visiting when I came back. <clears throat> and so, um, and Mount Olive had, you know, a woman who preached and things yeah. of that nature too. So, um, but that wasn't why I was there. Like I literally was just visiting. Mm-hmm. And so there was a, and so I had worked with Pastor Smith on a few projects in the district or some other things, you know, in the, you know, in the past or whatever. So, but we didn't, I didn't know him like that, mm-hmm. like that when he did, when, that, when all of it happened. In fact, it was, it was a New Year's Eve service. We had a New Year's Eve service, and I don't even know if he remembers this, but it was a New Year's Eve service. And when I tell you I was going through one of the services, you know, when the Lord is working on you and you mm-hmm. crying and you yeah. travailing, <laughs> all the things. And he said, how long are you going to keep running? He said, make an appointment to come talk to me. Mm. Um, so that next week, it was on a Wednesday. It was the 3rd of January. I was supposed to be leaving on that Monday, but I pushed it back because I was going, well, I'll just go ahead and leave on that Wednesday after I talked to him. Mm -hmm. car was packed up to go back to Mississippi, had the conversation with him and I spilled it. When I tell you the Lord had been, I mean, because the Lord had been pressing me, Mm -hmm. the Lord had been pressing me for a few years at this point. Like, and so (laughs) what he said to me was, he says, sometimes when we are in situations, he said, the Lord will press us so much. And he used this visual where somebody is pressing down on like the top of your head. Mm -hmm. He said, it'll press us so much until we simply cannot do anything but answer the call mm, that's good. and i was there and yeah. i was at that space um and i didn't leave that day i oh, didn't go back to Mississippi. Here. i stayed okay. in michigan yeah. i did not go back to mississippi not to live at some point i think i went back and got my things but i i actually from that point on um this is crazy chaz i had no intentions on having this conversation from that point on um <laughs> I lived out of my car for five months. Really? I did because I hadn't, I didn't go back and I was, 
at that point I was on a journey now to, to this space, um, of being a minister. Mm-hmm. And so I came, I joined the church. He took me around the corner. I had joined the church in his office, all kinds of, yeah. <laughs> it was wild. Um, but I didn't, I didn't go back to Mississippi. I, I came and I sat under teaching and I did the work. That's awesome. So that was how I got into preaching. <laughs> that is the story that came with it. That's, that's, that's awesome. So like, you know, you, you probably, if you're in your twenties, then Mm-hmm. What would you say were and are some challenges? Because you know you, you're relatively still you know young compared to you know the yeah. the the pre the pastor community and Christian community. What are some challenges that you had as a young woman preacher, and then you know how are you overcoming those challenges? Um. So a lot of those challenges came with um just being from a predominantly um, traditional space that did not accept women who, who preached. Right. So like you just not accepted in all of the spaces where I was a church kid growing up. So I was mm-hmm. used to being, you know, I could walk into a, a, a room and in, in any of the spaces that I would walk into, like people knew who I was like growing up. Cause one, because my dad, but also like as I got older and as I got grown, like mm-hmm. I was participating in the district and which is our like our kind of like our convention and all those kinds of things. So I would participate mm-hmm. in those things and I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. But once you, you know, in a, a role as a minister, like, you know, the looks happen and mm-hmm. sometimes you sometimes the, you, the conversations happen where you can't do such and such because da 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 da. You know, so that was difficult. Um, just not, there were spaces where I just wasn't accepted. Now there was a level of difficulty there, but however, because I had waited so long, I was so sure of my calling. Mm -hmm. I was such in a space that it didn't matter what came up against me. I was just going to do what God told me to do, Mm -hmm. whatever it looked like at that point, because I I ran for 12 years, Mm -hmm. like literally. So I was at that point, like, what can somebody say to me? Like I get, and here's the thing, like I had enough understanding to understand why you think the way you think Mm -hmm. and why you were, because you were taught the way I did the same thing, Mm -hmm. which is why in the Bible talks about if the people from your home don't accept you, what do you say? Do you say dust, shake the dust off your Mm -hmm. feet and move on to where they can hear you? Like, that's why you're not going to see me like, like I'll I'll speak against whatever I need to speak against. I'll speak truth to power if it's necessary and those kinds of things. But I'm not gonna argue. I'm not mm-hmm. gonna fuss. I'm not gonna fight. I'm not gonna talk bad about nobody yeah. because I can I can go somewhere else. Yeah, I can yeah. shake the dust off my feet and go wherever Jesus tells me to go. Yeah. So I don't. So I was. So while there were challenges there, and yes, it was some places where it didn't feel good. Mm-hmm. However, because I was sure, mm-hmm. I. I all I could do is what the Lord told me to do. That's good. That's good. So, so you, so you, you basically over, you know, kind of like didn't allow that to uh, hinder you or to discourage you because you knew God already put this in you to, to do then. By the time that I did it. Right. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes what's different between like my story and sometimes the story, some of the stories you may, may hear about women who preach is like, like there are women who fought for it like publicly and all of that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Like I fought myself for 12 years. Mm-hmm. So fighting myself, like I, 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 by the time I did preach, I don't got energy to have to fight nobody else. <laughs> I didn't fought me. Yeah. For, for, I didn't fought the whole, I didn't fought the Holy spirit in me for 12 years to get to this point. So now that I'm at this point, like, I, okay. I, and I'm gonna love y'all anyway. Like, yeah. I, nope, I don't, I, I, it is what it is. So, so my overcoming came in that from 15 to 27 period, right? Mm-hmm. Where I'm, I know I'm called. I know what the Lord is telling me to do. I know the response when I, when I do have an opportunity to speak somewhere or whatever the case is, I I, I know what I, I hear from the Holy Ghost. Like I know. Yeah. And then I can't, and I don't, and I won't, and I'm running against it and I'm fighting against it. By the time I preached, I just wanted to do, by the time I did do it, by the time I did fully accept and walk, began to walk out ministry, like I was in a place it, like it, it doesn't matter. Like nobody's opinion mattered. 
like sure it would have been nice to have your their approval yeah. but I got to do it anyway. But I told my own father the day, be- the, the week rather before I preached my trial sermon. I preached my trial sermon September 1st, 2011. Okay. This is at Mount Olive? At Mount Olive. Oh, okay. And the week before I told my dad, cause I called him and I asked him, you know, I told him about, you no, know, I went over to their house and I told him, I, you know, there's a call on my life. He said, don't say nothing else. He mm-hmm. said, you're going to pursue it. Aren't you? I said, I am. He already knew. Mm-hmm. He he had known, and he, and 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 he was like, okay. And I see. And so my mom was like, well, ask him if he going to see your child's sermon because again, mm-hmm. she didn't believe in women who preach either, right? Yeah. Well, ask him is he going? And so I asked him, and he said, well, if I'm alive, I'll be there. I waited like a week to tell him what my trial sermon was. Like I didn't, mm-hmm. you know, I I didn't um like a week before to tell him to have this conversation. I'm telling you about. And so the next day or so, I called him and I just released him. I said, listen, I understand what you believe and why you believe what you believe. I said, so if you if you can't come or if you don't want to show up, I get it. Like, no love lost. Like, you still my dad, whatever mm-hmm. the case is. Like, yeah. you don't have to come. Because I wanted him to not come because I was his daughter, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I not just come just because. No, like, I get it. I understood. And so when I released him, um, I didn't know whether or not he was going to show up or not. But when I walked out the office, he was sitting on the front row mm. on the day of the sermon. And so if I, if, if my dad, if I am not concerned, if I'm more concerned, I shouldn't say not concerned. If I am more concerned about what God wants than what my earthly father wants. Yeah. Everybody else's opinion is beneath any of that. Yeah. So. That I, but I had to, I did have to get to that point, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying that that just happened overnight. Like, I know yeah. that strong talk, yeah. but it took 12 years. Like, it, that that's a long time. Yeah. Did, so. did you ever, like, when you were in that position, had had you ever had someone that did not believe in women preachers and then when they, like, observed you or, you know, heard you preach or just kind of um, been around you in your life that you kind of, converted them or kind of where they changed their position on that so yes and no so yeah so definitely have been around those who changed their position and believe believe me right mm-hmm. type situation um but didn't change who they were publicly and things of that nature like that definitely was a thing um when i got done preaching my dad my dad was much older at the time in his 80s mm-hmm. at the time and he Stood up and he walked up to me. He pressed three dollars in his hand into my hand, and you know my daddy like this was a this was like this is honor. It okay. was honorable. <laughs> okay. He pressed three three dollars into my hand and he said, "You show preached." <laughs> um, and so, like from what he didn't believe to what he knew, and every time there, every time I preached, except the last time I preached before he passed, my dad was at at my sermons every single time. That's awesome. And so, you know, it's, it's that kind of thing. Like, I know what you, now he ain't never moved his church or never not believe whatever, whatever. But when I tell you, when I preached, he was there every single time. And so, um, there have, so there's that story, but there are others who have like, that wasn't what they believed, but they believed me because they knew me. Right. Um, and I also understand, like, when you grow up in a certain way, and mm-hmm. I've been encouraged, I have <laughs> been given silent offerings and all kinds mm-hmm. of things, just because, you know, I'm I'm living it out. And, you know, I'm grateful that I can live it out. And I just pray that as I live it out, that somebody is affected by my walk. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So, yeah, there have been, you know, those who come back and say, like, you know, I don't know about the mother ones, but I know you yeah. one. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I'm I'm curious to know, like being in ministry and 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 preaching, do you feel like is a challenge or is pressure to date just because, you know, you got you know, 'cause you you're pretty you know, and especially I mean in the Detroit, Flint, Saginaw, like you're pretty well known, like you in a spotlight. Do you feel like it's pressure to be um I'm not going to say perfect because nobody is perfect, but you know, do you feel like there's pressure to, to date? Mm, I did initially. So I, so as far as perfection, 
Um, initially, I did go through a space where I felt like, you know, I was just being watched because mm -hmm. they trying to see if this quote unquote woman preacher going to slip up. Um, and so there was, you know, sometimes where, you know, people would look for me to slip up and mm -hmm. make things up like yeah. <laughs> that. That literally never happened. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, at one point there was, you know, an unspoken pressure for me to be married slash get married type mm -hmm. situation. Um, and I just, you know, you talking about like, from you talking about from like people at your church or like just mm -hmm. okay. from just. Yeah, like, because, you know, you're in ministry, so, mm -hmm. you know, you should be married type situation. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, you know, and, and it's like, how do you just make that happen, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, I think the pressures of the dating world, this is a wild question, have been more like, like, how do you, how do, you do it? Like, how yeah, do you, <laughs> yeah, how no, do you, I get it, yeah. Like, it, it's, it's been more, and then, you know, how do you do it and and honor God in doing it? Mm -hmm. And also, like one of the things that has happened for me, and I don't mean this sideways or shade or nothing like that. Um, like there have been people who, like once they found out I was a preacher, like it was too much for them. Mm -hmm. Like it was intimidating for them. And yeah, I'm like, I was I was going I was wondering, you know, if you had an experience like that. Yeah, and I'm just like I'm. I'm still me. Like yeah, I'm, I yeah. am me. Like I am, and I don't portray them. Like I literally do not portray to be perfect. But when they find out, like when I, I have had several situations yeah. actually, like they find out. And so interestingly enough, like after that, I started leading with it. Like because if that's a problem, like let's just yeah, get this yeah. out the way now. Like because I'm a preacher. Like that's not gonna change that situation. Um, so it's been the dating world has been really interesting. Um. So I'm just trying to wait on the Lord and, you know. Because, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, but you know what? This is this is the thing. This is my thing. It, it sounds like, it, at least with some of those, it might just be like a title thing. Because when you say they found out and then they kind of like said, thought it was too much, is it the title? or Because, Joy, you are like, you're a down-to-earth, you know, person, woman. So it's not like you come or you go around and you, you know, Bible thumping or you just quote scriptures all day. Like you're down to earth. So it was it more of the title for them when, when they found, when they found that out. I think, I think people are afraid of what they think it means for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, like, and, and I'm like, God called me, like you got to deal with God on your own, like yeah. on whatever he's called you to do or whatever the case is. So I'm not, I can't speak to that. Um, but it doesn't change who you are or what you do or whatever mm -hmm. the case is. And so like initially, like I will say early on, like I had some, you know, interests where like I never said anything cause like they knew I went to church and they knew that, you know, whatever the case was, but like they didn't know I was a, a preacher per se. Mm -hmm. Um, and I never said anything because because initially, like it wasn't a thing that I felt like I needed to lead with. Like, yeah, oh yeah. hey, yeah. I'm a preacher. Yeah. How are you today? Like, yeah, like, yeah. It, like it wasn't that sort of thing. So um that it became weird. Like uh <laughs> like I don't know how to have this conversation. Um, or I, you know, like I said, it wasn't something that I led with. So mm -hmm. like as we got to know each other more or whatever the case is. And I remember one time this gentleman asked me, he's like, so what do you do at your church? <laughs> oh, and I was a little bit confused. Like, what do you mean? What do I do? Like, yeah. I, you know, and I was like, well, you know, I participate in these ministries at that point. I think I was part of the millennials and, uh -huh. you know, just different stuff like that at the church. Um, and I was like, and I preach and this is that he was like, wait, 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 you a preacher? Oh uh, yeah. Like a preacher, preacher, like you preach a sermon <laughs> on Sunday morning. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Oh, oh! <laughs> oh middle, like, that's crazy. It was just weird. Like it was so weird. Um, but that, but I'm telling you that has that has happened probably at least three times. Mm. And which is why after that third time, like I literally led off with like, "Hey, are you okay with women who preach?" <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like, which that's weird. Like, yeah, that, that is. Yeah. <laughs> to, to, to lead off with something like that but like if that's the experience and so now it's just interesting because it's like okay now it's not necessarily the leading point per se yeah. but it's just like how do yeah. you have these like what like 
I don't know, like I, you know, whatever. But it does. It comes up, and it's you know, it's always a part of the conversation because it is who I am. Yeah. Um. Uh, but you know, it's interesting dating people who, like, from the business world. Like, I've dated yeah. someone from the business world. Yeah. That's been interesting. Yeah. Um. Like, once they find out, like, that I was a preacher, or whatever the case is, like, it's like. Eh. Y'all, you can't win for losers. I don't know. You know what? I don't know. You know, that's one of those double standards, I think. Absolutely. Because I feel like the other way around, I don't, I think that, I mean, not saying all women, but I think men may have more of a, um, an an advantage with women if they do, if they are a preacher, it seems like. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't think they would have, like, if I say, hey, I'm a preacher, you know, depending on who I'm talking to, I don't think they're going to just, like, run away. If Right. You know, but. And it's usually not a run. It's usually a, you know, they're going to see if they can handle it. But whatever, whatever that does in their mind, yeah. it really just, you know, it is what it is. Were those men, were they, would you say they were mature Christians? Um, Because so, I think a mature Christian would be like, they'd be open. They, it seemed like they sure. would be, you know. Under more understanding that that's just a call and that's not, you know, mm-hmm. I'm just not a preacher 24-7. Right. So, <clears throat> early on, I don't think any of, I mean, we was mature, but eh, no, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> like, when I first started preaching, like, I was a mature Christian. At the, I would say I was mature for as mature as you can be at that point. Um, but I was a new preacher, right? So, my, like, life surround, my life and my movements surrounded around that mm-hmm. um um as i'm as i've aged some now uh, <laughs> um i still you know because i'm i think in most circles i'm still considered a quote-unquote young preacher um and in that space it's interesting to you know just kind of be just be right. Like just mm-hmm. be who you are. Yeah. And, you know, oftentimes now people know of ahead of time mm-hmm. just because like, if you look at any of my social media, it's there type yeah. situation. Yeah. If you look yeah. at like, so now instead of it just kind of being kind of new in there, like, so people kind of know ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So that, um, isn't as much of the conversation now. Because yeah. I think if someone has pursued now, like they know something's different. They know, yeah. you know, whatever. Like, because again, I got sermons all over the place. So, <laughs> um, so that's not the weirdest point now. Mm-hmm. Like, it has been, there has been times when it's been weird. That's not the weirdest point yeah. now. Now it's just, I think it's just people being people. Like, how yeah. do we um, figure out, like, how do we mesh and then how do we bring our lives together? Mm-hmm. Because now, you know, where any relationship that I come into now, like Chaz, I'm coming into it grown, grown. Yeah. Whoever yeah. he is, he going to be grown, grown too. Yeah, so we're two yeah. completely different humans trying to figure out how to mesh life together. It's not like we are trying to grow mm-hmm. up together. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, so what have you done? Cause I mean, thir- I mean, I'm in my late, late thirties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that means that I've accomplished quite a bit and mm-hmm. you know, somebody I'm talking to probably has accomplished quite a bit as well. And so like, how now do we make those things coincide and how is God like using those things complimentary or whatever the case is, that's been more of anything now, honestly, mm-hmm. in the dating world It's like, okay, yeah, we, we come in and it's grown. We're not coming in trying to figure out what we want. Yeah. It's trying to, we come in and it's trying to, you know, yeah, I understand. you know, be together and be companions to each other. Um, what what are you looking for in a husband? And do you feel like you may it might be beneficial for you to be you know be with a guy that's um in ministry so that you know they can understand where you're coming from or they can relate to your position. <laughs> Um, what am I looking for in a husband? That's an interesting question. Um, so, um, in full transparency, I guess what I would like, cause I won't say that I'm, yeah, I guess what I would like is someone who is, um, emotionally mature. Um, cause now like I've been a therapist for 10, 11 years now. Um, 
dating the therapist in me might be you. So I'm a therapist and I got the Holy Ghost. So I definitely want somebody who's emotionally mature uh, because, you know, it's not going to work if it's not. Um, can you, before you go on to your next, can you explain when you say emotionally mature, what is an example somebody being emotionally mature like can we get we hear that a lot i mean i've i've heard that but it's like mm-hmm. what exactly is that basically just controlling that you know that person isn't under control of their emotions what does that look like um so i think so one being able to control your emotions but also being able to have conversation about okay. your emotions uh-huh. and to understand your emotions and so when you say control your emotions let me back up a little bit because it's not so much controlling your emotions, but being okay with your emotions. Mm -hmm. And when you're okay with your emotions, like you're able to have a conversation about it, being able to, you know, talk things through. Um, Because if you can't do that or aren't willing to learn how to do that, um, that's going to be a little bit of a sticky place because like one of the things that is really important to me is to be able to get an understanding. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Bible talk about in all I get and get an understanding. Yeah. Right. Like get an understanding. So like if something happens, okay, what happened here? Mm -hmm. So we can understand what happened here. So it doesn't happen like this again, or we can understand what happens here. So we can strive to do something different. And so when you're inside of a relationship, what I've learned is like, you know, and this could be on either side. Sometimes people don't simply don't want to have those conversations because those are tough conversations. Mm -hmm. They aren't. They aren't easy conversations. So when I think of someone who is emotionally mature, um, I think of someone who is okay with emotions, okay with having those conversations and having a genuine um, interest in being able to move from one point to the next without diminishing the relationships. Because one thing that you see often is you'll see a relationship break down because somebody didn't have a conversation. And then you realize years later that we were on two separate pages and didn't realize we were on two mm, separate pages. That's good. Right. Yeah. But it's because that conversation, you know, wasn't had in the moment or whatever the case may be. So really, really interested in being able to just kind of have those conversations. Um, and, and at this point in life, honestly, I'm interested in companionship. So, mm. um, and, you know, I understand that, you know, marriage is from God, right? Like mm-hmm. I believe that God ordains marriage and, re- and relationships and those kinds of things. So definitely want to be in something with someone who wants to be a husband, mm-hmm. right? Who doesn't just want a wife, right? Yeah. Because there are some requirements to some, some requirements to being a husband. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's good. And so, yeah, so definitely looking for somebody who wants to be a husband and, um, you know, just, Wanted to be able to grow and build together. Um, you know, I, I operate in the entrepreneurial space, so that's a thing. Um, but also, there are going to be some spaces where we're individuals, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, some spaces where he doing his thing, I'm doing my thing, and then we come together and do our thing type situation. Mm-hmm. So um, I think in a good, healthy relationship, that's going to be, that's important inside of a healthy relationship as well. Like, you know, the his, mine, and ours type situation. Um, and I think as you grow together, you wind up with more ours than his and mine. Um, but I also know, like, as you're coming together, particularly um, as two human beings who have lived, you know, enough life to have accomplished some things and things of that nature, it'll be figuring out how the puzzle pieces fit together. How does this work together? How can we complement each other and whatever those situations are? And how can we, you know, make those things work? Um, or how can those not make those things work? Cause I don't think we have to make anything work. I think things work yeah. as you, as, as the couple works. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, so that would be kind of what I would desire in a mate, like as, like I said, companionship, someone who is, um, you know, we have some, some similar interests and we have, you know, we want to move and grow together and, and continuous growth, like somebody who really just is interested in continuously growing and like not stuck at a space where, well, I'm just this way. Mm-hmm. Oh, OK, mm-hmm. well, I'm this way, too. But if you tell me that you don't like something, then, you know, how do I make some adjustments? Right. How do I, you know, do some things that can. Can help us fit together a little bit better or whatever the case can be. So, um, 
Oh, that's no, that's good. Do you do you think that that person may need to may need to be a a um like a preacher, mm. or or have you dated a preacher before? Like, do you think yes. that okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's pause. Uh, <laughs> so, do I think they need to be? They need or have to? Oh, be no, preachers? let me not say need. Do you? I mean. Do you think that might be beneficial just because they can they they won't be intimidated by you being one? If if they're not intimidated by me being one, yes. Oh. Okay. Um and but I don't think so I don't think that's so let me I want to be very very clear that I I don't think they have to or need to mm-hmm. be um that what they have to or need to is understand God and understand the callings of God, right? Mm-hmm. Um so they may not be a preacher. But they would definitely be saved. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, <laughs> or definitely def- be, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> definitely understand, like, and definitely trust the God in me, right? Where mm-hmm. like, okay, you said God said, okay, cool. So so that I can trust the God in them. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't think you have to be a preacher for that, because I don't believe God called everybody to preach. Yeah. Yeah. But I do believe that we're all ministers in our own right, right? Yeah, like not yeah. as a title of ministers, yeah. but like when we're saved, like our our goal is to, you know, let people see our light and to show others that we are saved or whatever the case is. So when I think about that, I think about, um, you know, someone like it doesn't. So am I looking for a preacher? No. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's what I, I not not that. not saying that you're looking because they supposed no. to be looking for you. But I'm saying, like, how did how was that when you were dating the pre, like when you were dating a preacher? Did that? I mean, I you know, was that did that work for you, or and it just it was just not the right person? I I think the Lord just said no. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> the Lord just said no. So, mm-hmm. um, like in my personal, um, like in my, in my personal preference. Again, do they have to be? No, I don't think that they have to be. Yeah. They do the, I do they need to be? I don't think that they quote unquote need to be. Yeah. Um, I think that again, as long as they have the Holy Ghost yeah. <laughs> and they know how to follow the Holy Spirit, like because I think if you follow the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will will, will reveal, yeah. if you will. But he'll reveal what he needs to reveal. So whatever that looks like. So he may be, or he may not be like, I don't know. Like I'm not putting a cap on cap mm-hmm. on it either way per yeah. se. I'm yeah. just saying like, I don't think it's a, it's not a requirement. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, um, nah, it's not a, no, that would be like asking somebody, is it a requirement that she a preacher? <laughs> like, like, I don't think it's a requirement. No, <laughs> like, no, I get it. What, um, I, I did want to, um, to, to close with, and then mm-hmm. with, um, your clarity cleanse, like what, what, you know, tell me, tell us about, you know, what that is and, and you know, how that, how that started. Um, so the clarity cleanse is coming up and it really is just three meetups where, um, we'll get together and we'll have some conversations about getting clear and our vision for the year and goal setting and being able to just be in a space where individuals who, are kind of lacking some motivation or they are uh, kind of unsure about kind of direction and things of that. Um, they can just be able to take their cape off and say, you know what, I might be the CEO of such and such and such and such, but you know what, I really do need a personal vision statement this year. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I might be the pastor of such and such and such and such, but I really do need to move through um, some places and get clear on some stuff on my own. And so, um, you know, what God has given me to do is to create these safe spaces where, you know, people can take the cape off. They can take mm-hmm. the cape off and just get clear. Um, like I said, we're going to do three of those in January where we're just going to visualize and hear what God is saying. And, um, you know, and then we're going to put together a plan for 2024, a tentative plan because we know plans change, yeah. right? A tentative plan for 2024 yeah. because you don't want to go in with nothing. Yeah. Even though plans change, I'd rather have a plan that changed than not have a plan at all yeah. and just be bumping around in the dark. Oh, so, <laughs> so yeah, that's all about just kind of visioning, visioning, you know, again, what God has for us and how we want to move, but also doing it in a very safe space where we can take the cape off and do it. Because what I do, what I have learned is that there are so many people who like they may put on their own vision board situation or they may put it on their own, like, let's prepare for the year. 
but they don't really have that space where they can go and get prepared. Mm. Um, and I believe that's who God is calling me to in this season is individuals who like just need their own space. Like they, like I said, they may run a space, maybe the, the, the president of this, the principal mm. of that, the this or that, but they need that space where they can just be like, whew. And I also just need to be able to sit down and look and breathe and think through some things with some folks who are just like me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, who could give me some insight on, you know, just that and the third. So that's what the clarity cleanse is about. So anybody who is looking for, you know, that space. Um, and so that's just kind of like the first installment. And then we'll be kind of moving through. Um, it really is the Hope Collective. So we'll be at the Hope Collective. We'll just kind of be re- moving through kind of what God gives us for the year. Um, and then we'll culminate in Aruba in October for my 40th birthday. Oh, that's good. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to, a, uh, we're going to have have a good time in, uh, in October for anybody who wants to do that as well. So there's a space for, um, there's a space for everybody. Yeah. God's calling me to the people in this season. So, Interestingly enough, I am yielding and I am surrendering and I'm saying, God, whatever it is you have for me, I want to I want to be able to move into that. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. Hey, Joy, you know, I had a really good time with you. You you, you are truly an inspiration to me. And, you know, like I said, I, I appreciate, you know, just kind of, you know, you opening a door, a path for me to, 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 you know, explore, you know, some of the things that I've been doing as far as my books and then just expanding that. So I really appreciate, you know, you, you know, pouring into me and and opening that door for me as well. But yeah, I I appreciate your time today too. I know we've been, you know, uh, you know, going back and forth as far as the, the time, the last couple of days. So I appreciate your time too. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Let me know if you need me in the future. Have an amazing rest of your day and happy new year, my friend. Yeah, yeah. You have a good one too. All righty.